we start off this hour, at least with the interviews, with the SRX series. Suffice it to say, this, what is it called? Superstars Racing Experience Series has been a success. It's been a hit with race fans all around the country. But there's something to be said about the vibe of week one being won by, granted, a six-time champion, but a local guy on his track. And that's how Kenny started off this interview. And just basically the ambiance and the craziness of Doug Kobe walking in with these superstars. Doug, when did it hit you that you were running against dudes that have crazy history in NASCAR? Were you looking to your left going, there's Stewart, man, there's there's Elliot. My God, there's Elio. When did, <laughs> when did you go, mother effort, look at these dudes around me? So the coolest thing about it with this being the Camping World SRX series, they had uh, a couple of fifth wheel uh, campers there for the drivers to use as driver lounges, you know, with water inside, a place to get changed, a place to get out of the sun or whatever. And they split us into two groups. And my group was Tony Stewart, Greg Biffle, Paul Tracy, Tony Kanan, and myself. And, you know, I wanted to go put my racing bag in there and just kind of get my stuff set down. So I'm like, okay, here we go. Like, who's going to be in here? And uh, sure than hell, uh, Tony Kanan and Paul Tracy are just sitting in there lounging on the couches talking. And uh, I, I walked up, closed the door, and I'm like, hey. And they're, you know, kind of like turn and look. And I'm like, I raced with you, you know. So it was, uh, yeah, that was kind of like the, the fun, uh, oh, crap moment, you know. And, um, you know, honestly, those guys treated me just like one of them the whole whole time. And we're all racers, and uh, they had a ton of respect for my background and the Modifieds and, and were really interested in, in me personally. Doug, to answer me this, in seventh grade and eighth grade, you know, we had to change in front of our football team, you know, take showers together. Were you changing in front of uh, Paul Tracy and Tony? <laughs> no, there, there was plenty of space in there, you know. All, imagine a, a huge fifth wheel camper. There's bathroom, there's bedrooms to close the doors and all that stuff. So, uh, no, we, it wasn't like a locker room. It wasn't a community shower, in other words. It was not, no. <laughs> Kenny, why do we always have to bring it back to, speaking of age, the old days, your old days of when you would play yeah. soccer and, like you just said, change in front of people in the locker room and take salt pills because that's the only medically advised thing that they said to do when you were dehydrated? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just seriously. how we roll. So yeah, I'm actually whatever. used to that because when the Wheel of Modified Tour goes to Loudoun, a lot of times before they change their pit area around, we used to have to unload all of our equipment on pit road. And we just have to change right on pit road to get ready to go out for practice for <laughs> the race. So I just change right in front of the whole grandstand. So it never really bothers me to do stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> what is the strangest thing besides exposing maybe your boxers to people that you don't know? What is the craziest thing you've done in racing? I don't know. Uh, I usually try not to do too many crazy things in racing. I'm a little conservative and, uh, you know, changing in on pit road was at the beginning, always a little bit of a big deal. And I used to hide behind a stack of tires or something like that. But, um, but now I, I don't know, like I, I can't, I'd have to think about that one long and hard. Uh, probably the dumbest thing I've ever done is fall out of my car on national television when I win the SRX race, but right. you know, that, that, that just happened now. So, uh, I'd like to say I have good stories from my past, but maybe this is just the beginning of, uh, funny stories for my racing career. And Doug Kobe, back that up a little bit and, and tell people what exactly happened. And do you blame Ray Everham? Uh, I, I will not blame Ray for that one. So, well, maybe a little bit with the car design. So the, the SRX cars actually have a, a little opening side door uh, for drivers to get in and out of. And I don't know, that was just something Ray wanted to do. And um, I'm small enough that I don't need to use the trap door to get in and out of the window. So I was so excited. I win the race and get all my stuff undone. And uh, I, I went to get out of the car and I, I'm, 
I've never had a door like that. I've been racing since 1986 and never had anything <laughs> like that. So I just left it closed and I, I go to get out of the car and the, uh, the, the victory lane folks had already put the window net on the window ledge and then also the checkered flag. And as I got out, uh, I put my left foot, I think on the checkered flag or the window net and it moved and the door caved and I was on my bum before I knew what the heck was going on and had a, a second to think about well, what am I going to do here? You know, uh, you know, so I, I stayed crouched down for a, a little second, caught my breath, let out a big laugh and then got back up on top of the car. Definitely not my my proudest moment, but I kind of think it was a little bit of sabotage. You know, I thought maybe Biffle or something <laughs> put him up to that to uh, to make it so that it, it, I had to deal with something, you know, a little crazy there. Doug Kobe, winner of the first SRX race. Please tell me, we've talked about some crazy things that you've done. Please tell me when you got in the trailer that you didn't ask for any autographs for some of these top drivers in all of motorsports. Yeah, it's just not my style. You know, these these guys are uh, really hard-nosed racers, and um, I don't know that I've ever asked anybody I've raced with for an autograph. Um, you know, and it's not, not disrespecting them. I just feel like, you know, they're so busy, and they get autograph requests all the time, and a lot of times most of those guys just want to chill out and hang out and talk racing and talk life and talk politics. Um, so, oh, you boy. know, one of those things <laughs> where, you know, not, not my deal. You know, I'm uh, – I appreciate what those guys bring to the table. Their, their careers speak for themselves. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm not a, an autograph seeker, really. Well, the freaks grew up on short tracks. We grew up at Irwindale Speedway. We grew up at Paris Auto Speedway. We grew up at short tracks most of, all over the country. So we have more than respect for what you did on a short track. Are you... Was this luck? I don't think it was, but it, can we see more guys like you who win championships on the short, short track? They get an equal equipment. They're going to blow some of the big names away. Uh, I'd like to think so. I mean, I said from the beginning that, you know, this series is celebrating short track racing and bringing fan interest to uh, short tracks like my home track, Stafford Speedway. Fans that never would see a race at Stafford before got to see the track, see the facility. Uh, they got to see the SK Modifieds put on a great all-star race, and they also got to see the full racing card on Friday Friday night that Stafford puts on every week. Um, and I think that that's an important part of motorsports is remembering that, you know, the grassroots racing and uh, grassroots racers, people who are, you know, crew chiefs, spotters, uh, people who are media members, calling the races, Mike Joy, all these guys, they started at Short Tracks. Um, you got Kyle Ricky on MRN, you know, you got all these people who do different things at the short tracks and move up into the higher parts of motorsports. And I think the SRX series really celebrates that. And, uh, to have a live national audience bringing in new fans to short tracks all across the country is, is really what this series is all about. So what I remember most from short tracks is that these guys laugh and drink beer together after the race and they go to borrow parts from each other. But when that flag falls, they're liable to run somebody into the third row. And <laughs> you bring that same attitude in all short tracks. And that attitude doesn't always exist at Daytona or Talladega or uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway or some of the other places where these guys made their names. Yeah, of course. I mean, if you grow up racing short tracks and you go to the same track every Friday or Saturday night like they do at Stafford, uh, you're going to have your rivals. You're going to have the guys and girls that you can race with door to door and never touch. And you're going to have the ones that you race with and touch every single time. 
And, you know, I've done the grind at Stafford uh, weekly on Friday nights. And quite frankly, I mean, it caught up with me uh, over the years and it just gets really difficult to do. So all the short track racers out there that are working full time jobs and then busting their butts to get their cars ready and their their race shops every every night during the week, taking their time off of work you know, to travel and whatnot. I mean, that's, that's who I represent. Um, my story is not, you know, I am not a grease monkey. I'm not in, in the shop, you know, 12 hours a day. So I don't want to misrepresent that, but I grew up a hundred percent in the short tracks. I put my time in, paid my dues and, uh, battled it out. And, you know, when these guys came to Stafford, everybody said to me, you know, what are you going to do if you have to get aggressive? I said, I'm going to lay the bumper on them if I have to. <laughs> um, I raced on the modified tour, man. And, and we got Nerf bars and bumpers and we use them. And, and it's not no touch racing and it's skillful. You know, you have to be good at it. I'm not here to wreck everybody, but I'm here to not get pushed around either. Talk a little bit about not getting pushed around. I mean, you've got massive trophies right behind you right there. It's just your pedigree. You, you talked originally about how you walked into one of the Camping World RVs and there was Paul Tracy and Tony Kanan. What about Doug Kobe? Come on. People, they better be respecting you now. Clearly, you have a truck series ride right now, but it, it just... It's not really fair to me to see that, okay, yeah, you've got all these big guys. Everybody wants to go see the big guys in this XRS series. And then look what you did. You just crushed them. Hey, I'm fine with it. I think a lot of the local fans, they kind of pegged me as the favorite from the beginning. And, um, you know, they know that I know Stafford. I probably got 10,000 laps around that track. I've got 30 plus career wins and uh, three, now four different divisions. And, uh, you know, I ran full bodied cars there in my first five years when I was in my teens and early 20s and then moved up to the modified tour, which is, you know, the wheel and modified tour is the king of the Northeast. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's what you do and it's what you strive to race. And there are so many modifieds that we race here that people who, who are from the Midwest or from the South, they hear the word modified and they think of the IMSA style modifieds and the, the Florida modifieds. But the asphalt tour type modifieds of the Northeast are are so rad and, and I'm so fortunate to be able to race them. So um, I've never really cared about uh, where I go next because the modified tour, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the most competitive divisions in the country, including Cup Xfinity and Truck. From top to bottom, we have great racers and smart people and we put on a good show and, and the cars are fun to drive. Hey, let's get back to that race, Doug. Are, do you have a significant other? Do you have a spouse or a girlfriend? I, I do not. No, I'm single right now. Okay. Are long. you dating anyone? <laughs> Are you dating anyone? No. Okay. Well, this doesn't help me. Any. When you got home, bro, who <laughs> did you who did you celebrate that you kicked their ass the more? Did you to your to your crew to uh, relatives like I just kicked Tony Stewart's ass. The awesome thing about this race, uh, my sister and brother-in-law moved to uh, Wilmington, North Carolina area last August, and I haven't really seen them too much. But she drove up with my niece Kennedy for that race, um, and they were back in the pit area with me. and And my father, my sister, and I started racing quarter midgets back in 1986, and we traveled the country together. Uh, you know, my mom stayed home and kept the house running, and we went off and raced and. Um, you know, the three of us have this unique bond. Um, a lot of times if you see Bobby Santos win races, his parents, his sisters are there with their families. And it's the same thing with me. Doug, you didn't answer my question. <laughs> Who did you brag about kicking their ass more? The Indy 500 champion. You've got two Indy 500 champions. Oh, Come on. I think for most people, you know, beating Elio, just knowing he won the Indy 500 a couple of weeks ago. I mean, he's obviously a superstar for many reasons. Um, I got to- so much respect for Tony. 
uh, and all he's done, you know, he ran a modified tour car back in 2006 at Loudon, and he was actually my teammate that day uh, because my uh, my car owner's son, Mark Chase, was working at Joe Gibbs Racing and uh, got him in the car. So, you know, that kind of stuff, it, it hasn't really sunk in. You know, I, like I said, you know, uh, we strap on our helmets and I don't care if you're the president of the United States, you know, I'm going to race you like a racer. I'm going to give you respect, but I'm going to move you out of the way if I have to. And, um, you know, that's just how I've always been. And I try to do it tactfully and tastefully. Um, and sometimes it, it works, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, it's not, you know, for me, just beating all those guys is a huge deal. And, uh, you know, it just proves how difficult Stafford is as a speedway to just figure out how to get around. It's not easy. And, and the people who do it weekly have, uh, have known that for years. Wait a minute, crash. I'm stepping in. No, here. no, you go. You mentioned Elio beating Elio Indy 500 winner. I got to ask you, dude, you're not dating anybody, but can you beat Elio on the dance floor? He's also won the dance no. Listen, you saw my exit of the race car. You really think I'm going to be dancing against Elio? I mean, I, I know how to pick and choose my battles, man. And I pick Stafford Speedway any day over any of that stuff. So uh, I might beat him on Twitter as like, uh, you know, if you, I'm pretty, pretty, I like to find funny little gifts, images and mess around with my friends on Twitter quite a bit. So uh, I might be a little witty there, but definitely not in a dancing competition. Definitely not. Oh, so Kenny. you got that clean beard and everything is all well groomed and everything. Do you do that for the freaks or is that Doug Kobe when he gets uh, in the club and uh, the women line up to drink uh, <laughs> oh this? It's it's always like this. I feel like I feel like clean shaven. I always look like a little baby. So uh, I've been one of those guys that when I was 21, I looked like I was about 14. So the second I could grow a little bit of a beard, it stayed. And uh, that's kind of just makes me feel like I'm <laughs> a little bit older. You only look 16 now, dude. Hey, I'll take it. You know, I could be like the new thing in NASCAR, right? Like they they want young kids and maybe just find an old guy who looks like a younger guy. And I, we could trick some people, you know, there you go. It's There's the year of the old guy. I mean, it's, if it's Tom Brady, it's Phil Mickelson, it's Elio Castroneves, it's Doug Kobe. So, yeah, take it and run with it. It's experience, you know, and, and, you know, especially in racing, you know, racing's tough because we've definitely – we go in waves in this sport. And Brian Brown and I were on a call uh, yesterday, and he – he's my age, he's 42. And he summed up exactly what I've said many, many times, which is when I was 21 – the, the people in motorsports were looking for experienced guys that were tw in their late 20s or 30s. So we got overlooked. Now that we got to our 30s and 40s, they're looking for 16, 17 year olds. And, um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that motorsports uh, is, is unique in the fact that the race cars don't know how old the person is that's turning the wheel and pushing the pedals. And if you're good and you're 50, then by all means, if you're the best out there, you should have a shot. And if you're good and you're 12, you should be out there and have a shot. And it's all about good racing and it's all about uh, different stories. And too many times today, I feel like we kind of hear the same story. And I'm feeling a little bit of a, a shift of the tide, so to say. Everybody wants Josh Berry's story. Everybody wants Ryan Priest, who bet on himself to get in the Joe Gibbs ride and goes out there and wins two Xfinity rides. And maybe they want a 41-year-old who goes up against the champions and beats him at his home track. So, uh Stories are what makes motorsports interesting and what makes it fun. And racing's supposed to be fun. And too many times these days, we forget that. And I'm here to say, you know, my career has gone from 1986 and it's still going 2021 20, and beyond. You know, um, 
that's a long time. And I've seen a lot, been a lot and heard a lot. And, you know, maybe now it's my turn, you know. <laughs> Six-time Wheeling Modified Champion, of course, the inaugural winner, Stafford Raceway, SRX, inaugural winner. It's good to get Doug Kobe here in the Freak Nation. Buddy, thanks for doing this, man. It's been fun. Yeah, you guys are awesome. I appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to seeing uh, more of your stuff. And maybe we'll talk after that truck race in September. Man.